Hi, this is Randall Kenneth Jones, and you're listening to Awakened Nation with Brad Solis. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zalas, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Randy, how's it going, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good. I, I'm doing very good. I've told yeah. you, if, if my dog doesn't show up and interrupt us, we're good. So, good. <laughs> you know what? You know what blew my mind about you? You know, I travel a lot and I keynote, and um, I was asked to MC in Phoenix, or actually Scottsdale, right outside of Phoenix. Right. And we had on stage at the Smart Femme Summit uh, Shay Hillenbrand, who's a two time uh, baseball all star you, you know, player. Yep, yep. And we had Lisa Guerrero from Inside Edition. And these are keynote uh, speakers, and people were lined up to meet them and greet them and be there. But you stole the show. <laughs> well, I, well, well, well. <laughs> you stole the show, man. Do not deny this. You were, you were, you even told me before you went up. You were so nervous because you were going in front of these famous people. And let me tell you, my friend, I've seen hundreds of people, keynoters, MCs, uh, you know, middlers, comedians, everything. You crushed it. I'm not blowing smoke, man. Randall Kenneth Jones, you own it. You owned that stage that day. Well, you know what was kind of cool, and I've stayed in touch with Lisa Guerrero, who we both know is so profoundly cool, just yes. the most amazing person. And on my podcast, her show is so special, the one we did together. It, the thing was, she was so great. She yeah. did that presentation on bravery, and people, I'd not heard anything like it. So I went back and forth, because I knew I was following her, and I went back and forth between... I want to hear this. This is so great. And oh my God, this really sucks. Because she, she you know, I go back and forth between, I, I really want to hear this. And, and this really sucks. Because how do I follow this? And I mean, I've been on stage all my life. I've been a speaker forever. I've been a comedic actor. So that comes naturally for me. But I had to find something in what she said to plug into because I really had to take her speech and plug into her energy and, and go from there. And we yeah. both got our standing ovation. So my yeah. kudos also to Lisa Guerrero, who I thought was amazing that day, but yeah, yeah I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, my guests are going to love you on Awakened Nation. You're in for a treat, folks. Modern day Renaissance man, Randall Kenneth Jones has built a marketing and public relations portfolio that includes Respected household names from the IT, healthcare, entertainment, publishing, retail, and consumer products and services industries. His primary focus has been creative ideation, branding, content development, CRM, and direct marketing. Dude, you and I have a similar um, kind of uh, pathway. Oh uh, my, totally, totally. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. As a creative director, I did the big corporate meetings, but uh, with a foreword by Peggy Post, the Emily Post Institute, and an introduction by Aaron Barakovich, Jones' best practices book, Show Me. Celebrities, business tycoons, rock stars, journalists, humanitarians, attack bunnies, and more <laughs> was published in late 2016. Show Me has been described by New York Times best-selling author Janet yeah. Ivanovich as a bit David Sedaris, a touch Dale Carnegie, and a dash of Janet Ivanovich. Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank added, 
Randy has created a literary, dancing with the stars, wickedly funny, yet profoundly touching. Show Me is Shark Tank meets NASCAR meets Broadway meets the Partridge family. <laughs> Dude, you cannot get a better endorsement than that. that yeah, that's pretty cool. Barbara Corcoran's been very, very good to me. Yeah, I'm very yeah, lucky. She's been on your show. And I, I got to mention your show, and then we'll go into the, all the guests that you've had on. In 2018, Jones launched Jones.show, a new podcast with his signature Look for the Best in People focus. Susan C. Bennett, the original voice of Siri is the program announcer and recurring guest. Between his book and his podcast, Jones has profiled Laura Benanti, Pat Benatar, Aaron Barakovich, Sam Champion, Barbara Corcoran, Val Smerkovsky. Yes. Smerkovsky. Panash Desai. I want to talk to you about him. That oh, my God. Interview. Oh, my God. <laughs> Janet Ivanovich, Sarah Evans, Lisa Guerrero, Dr. Judy Ho. Sonny Jorgensen, Hoda Kotpe, Susie Orman, Dr. David Perlmutter, <laughs> Vanessa Williams, Perlmutter. Vanessa Aren't you glad Williams, you got Vanessa Williams after that? <laughs> Vanessa Williams, Ginger Z, and many more. Vanessa Williams, Ginger Z, and many more. Randy, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about your appearances on TV and everything. Brother, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I got to tell you, I am a little blown away at the guests you get on the show. And this is what I love. If you're a big fan of the 70s, whether it's television or rock and roll or whatever, but you've had Pat Benatar on your show, uh, you've had Ginger Z, you've had, who have been some of your like most amazing uh, guests? Well, let me kind of backtrack it a little bit because some have been in the book, some have been on the podcast, some have been on both and some are coming to the podcast. Um, I actually moved to Naples, Florida in 2009 Within a couple of years, I discovered that there's all these famous, really successful people that were here. And I went to the local newspaper and I said, hey, can I, anybody interviewing them? And they said, no, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah. So I started out really doing C-suite, CEO, CMO, CFO in Naples, Florida. And I'll be very candid. After two wonderful interviews, I thought, how many 75-year-old white men do I need to talk to? <laughs> and, well, no, yeah. that's really what I was going to have. That's and, yeah. And I thought, I'm, I can't do that. I've, this is not the story I want to tell. I don't want to tell the C-suite story. I want to tell the how to live better, work better story. Right. And so I very quickly made a, uh, met a gentleman named Phil Buth who ran Good Morning America for ABC from 85 to 95. And he hooked me up with Regis Philbin. He hooked me up with uh, Charlie Gibson. Uh, he, <laughs> it was, I mean, so quickly I was meeting people and then I also met through an arts organization. I worked with a gentleman named Jack McKinney from Naples and I, you know, I didn't know anything special about him other than he was a charming, nice man. Well, I found out he's the former head coach of the LA Lakers and Magic Johnson's first professional basketball coach. Wow. And this guy is like hanging out with me, he and his wife and you know, then I'm interviewing him and I'm talking to Magic Johnson and Bill Walton, who was <laughs> everything in the 70s yeah. when I thought I was going to play basketball. They're on my phone talking to me about him. So within a month, I could drop some names, which wow. helped a lot because I yes. very quickly was able, I, I knew some people, I was able to drop some names that were significant. And between the, the business column, which became Show Me the Book, which became the podcast. I'm over 150 interviews at this point. Wow. All focused on looking for the best in people. A lot of people seem to have made it their life's work to criticize. 
I don't want to be that person. So I try to look for the best in people. And I believe I've done well because I'm polite, I'm respectful, I'm prepared, I'm patient, (laughs) because it can take years to make them work. But that's, that's my whole story. That's how I got to this place. I still pinch myself every single day. I truly do. What, what is amazing about you is you're ingratiating, uh, but your interviews are funny. Uh, you know how to dish. I, I suck at that. I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy who can dish, but you get guests to open up. And this was the whole reason, by the way, you, you just nailed why I started Awakened Nation. Uh, I was actually doing business podcasts. I was a host and a guest. And after a hundred of these things, I'm sitting yeah. there going, it's the same damn story. You know how successful I am? Blah, blah, blah. And it's, yeah, it's all middle-aged white guys and um, nothing wrong with that. You know, that's, that's the way it was. But I was always looking for that, that person who their story would make you cry. And then you realize their success came really hard fought in this world. And I think, um, I think your show is incredible. I want everybody to go out and look up Randall Kenneth Jones or go to jones.show and just listen. Um, let's get back into this. You're actually really funny when you <laughs> interview people. And, and, and I don't want you to be shy about that because we're going to get serious on the show too. But you and, and I get this very serious. I get very serious on my show as well. And so, yeah. and if people come on thinking it's laugh fest, it's not always, <laughs> no. that's not always the case. So, right. Well, I was really impressed when you opened up with uh, Pinesh uh, Desai. Uh, and he's been on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday and all this. And uh, my ex-wife actually loved uh, a lot of his stuff and picked up his CDs. And I was blown away. Your question in the beginning just was like, oh, wow. You just said, well, what do you do? Basically break that down. And after listening to his answer, you basically said, you know, I thought I was spiritual until I heard you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I tell the truth. I mean, I think that's really important. Hoda Kotb said something to me. I've been so fortunate. I've interviewed her twice. She's interviewed me once. Um, She said, it's more important to be interested than interesting. That really stuck with me. And to be sincerely interested in that human being sitting across from you or on the other end of the phone, listening to them, picking up on, you know, finding what did they say, finding that string, pulling that string and going down that path. You know, I'll have 10 or 12 prepared questions in case I need them, I might ask two normally because yeah, I'm going to go down yeah. the natural path of where we go. Like today, we're not planned. We're just, we're, <laughs> we're going to go down a path and see what happens. It's, uh, I like it. I liken it to like you sit down and you have a glass of wine with a friend and they sit down and they go, you know, I, I got to tell you this. And they tell you the deep story. They do tell me stuff. Yeah. I, I will tell yeah. you. There was a lot that did not go in the columns. It did not go in the book because I was <laughs> smart enough to know when somebody probably shouldn't have told me that. Right. Uh, I, I did have somebody to cl- disclose something incredibly personal about their financial situation. And the manager got on immediately and said, please, please, please don't run that. And I said, well, I won't. I mean, that's not yeah. complicated. No, you're asking me to not do yeah. that. So why would I do that? So. And I think I that's why I think that's why celebrities trust you so much because you've had some pretty heavy hitter, hitters on your show, and they trust the hell out of you because you are discreet like that. You know, they they can reveal something. And you go, ooh, I probably shouldn't open my mouth about that. Um, and that's 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 a testament to you as uh, you know the quality 
of well, what Aaron, we do. Well, Aaron, an example, and I just now started talking about it. I very fortunate that I became friends with Aaron Brockovich through this process. Um, right. She called me on my birthday. We talked for two and a half hours. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> You're kidding. No, no, we talked for two and a half hours. Yeah, that was that she's set a record else. for us. Yeah, she's she's ridiculous. And she has this ability to know when I'm down. If there's something wrong, the phone rings. I don't know how she does it. And even if I try to pretend like everything's okay, she can figure out it's not. I mean, and if you know the movie, this makes sense. Think about it. This, you know, yeah. the personality presented in this movie completely makes sense. But yeah. It is crazy to me that my support system includes her. Wow. It's yeah. crazy to me that my support system includes Peggy Post from the Emily Post Institute. Uh, for those who don't know Emily Post, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> you may have to reveal that for the wow. next generation. Yeah, Emily well, Post. and the Emily Post Institute has done a beautiful job at, at maintaining that legacy. But Emily wrote that book in 1922. It's almost 100 years old on etiquette. Yeah. On manners and etiquette. And they have maintained and updated. They're about to release the 20th edition of the Emily Post's etiquette book. And it's still, you know, it's changed, but etiquette and manners aren't out of style. Yeah. <laughs> they're well, still they, something that's important. They aren't out of style for us, but I think we, we do have a generational divide that hasn't been taught that you don't do certain things. That's considered improper. Yeah. Um, so when you mention Emily Post, uh, I don't know how many of our listeners, young listeners might know who she is and that's not knocking them. It's just saying you might want to pick up, uh, her book on etiquette. You know, it, it sets the tone for how to act in polite society <laughs> and at the well, dinner there's table a whole series. Like actually, they have a whole series. There's several different books. Wow, that Emily nice. Post the family's maintained the, the, the brand beautifully. And there's a whole series of books. Kind of like on, the Elvis family. The yeah, that, family. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to, to have those two people support me as they have, not to mention Hoda, not to mention all these other people, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, and I, and I, I'm always completely shocked. Why do you think, you know, they trust you so easily? I mean, guests, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of guests and some, some people say to me, wow, you get, you get stuff out of people. And I, I, I've listened to your interviews and I'm like, how does he do that? Um, what do you think the magic is? I think it's sincerity. Am I, can I say that? I, I actually oh, really, I mean, I really do care. I'm not really making that up. <laughs> the, you know, truth be told, here's the, 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 the challenging backstory is it's not all wonderful. Uh, oh, yeah. I, you know, was in my late 40s and I, was losing, I was becoming jaded. Yeah. I was becoming angry, uh, as we do, you know, becoming frustrated, jaded, angry, whatever. And I was like, man, where's that idealistic young man that I used to be? And I liked him so much. We become like our parents, right? Yeah, you know, and, and my kids were in college and I was just kind of tired and we were new in Florida. And make no mistake that the interviews they, I started them for me. I still do them for me. You right. know, being woke is exhausting. It is. <laughs> it, it, it's exhausting because you can't do what we do and not constantly question yourself, your own belief system, why you do what you do. I, I am learning. So I've had so many profound, including Panache. I've had so many profound situations, life-changing recently. 
uh, since wow. I started season two. Oh, it's just huge. Tell, tell us about that. What, is, what has been yeah. life changing about season two? Well, okay. So let's go to Panache Desai. Yeah. <sighs> He's a spiritual leader for those of you who he, don't understand. And I wouldn't even call it spiritual. No, no. Here's the thing. Something completely different. Here, yeah. And he doesn't like to be defined because he thinks as soon as you're defined, you have expectations and you never get to know yeah. him, which is just, he, I mean, my head was exploding. Uh, when he said that, yeah. That was yeah, I, I was like, but here's the way I would describe it because I do think people need to understand it comes from a place of spirituality but it works in the real world. Yeah. So I think there's a common sense aspect to him, just plain good advice. Right. When I am, and if you listen to that interview and you heard it, I kind of sucked as an interviewer because I was like, but you know where I'm going. I mean, I'm like, my head's exploding every two minutes because you have to stop and think. You can't just plow through. You have to respect what's coming at you. And I finally acknowledged it. And I said, do people pause a lot and think? He said, yeah, they do all the time. When this man was sitting across from me and said, I love you, you can't ever hear those words and dismiss them. You just can't. I did not expect Panache Desai, who I knew, uh, who I'd socialized with and I had spent some time with, I did not expect to be told I love you. But then all of a sudden I realized what he meant. It, was, it wasn't romantic love. It wasn't familial love. Yeah. It was I love you because we are sharing this space, this time, this planet, this space. You know, I, I love you because we're human together. And that's how he wants to live his life. And my whole world changed on an understanding of that type of love that I never knew before. Yeah. He really, really, because truth, I'm, I, everybody thinks I'm so happy-go-lucky, and I love to laugh, and I love to have a good time, but I struggle too. What we're doing is hard, as you know. If we were out doing horrible things, saying terrible things about people, we would be all over the news. If we were... <clears throat> controversial we would be all over the news we would you know but to try to build a platform based on good is really hard to do and it's painful and panache and i discussed that it's painful it's hard you do get angry you do get frustrated you do get jealous and i just i don't want to be that and somehow he gave me permission to really let it go. I have chosen to not be angry anymore. When I'm mad at someone, they don't hurt, I do. They don't, I do. It was completely life-changing. And I didn't edit a, a second of that interview because I wanted people listening to it to, have the, to be there for that exact, that entire experience. It was, it was ridiculous, it was mind-boggling. You have just probably blown a lot of people's minds because, uh, yeah, it's a choice and it's hard. And when, when an, another person uh, and man to man is just saying, I love you, and it has nothing to do with attachment, sex, mm -hmm. it's just pure divine love. Yep. I love you because you're another human being who has a soul in that body. Um, that can bring you to tears because it's, this is a, a way different level, <laughs> you know, it's a oh, whole and it did. And it other did. level. Yeah. I mean that the downside is that we didn't do video. It was only audio, but I think you can, yeah. you can, you can sense it. And 
every day is a challenge because I, I am actually, and I, you know what? It's not that I'm a horrible, angry person. I care. I care no. deeply. I care about the human condition. I care about people. I care about what they think. I know how I want to treat people and I want to be treated that way in return. And when I'm not, I don't understand it. So right. every day I have to challenge myself not to be frustrated, angry, upset, whatever. It's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy, but I get up now, and this has been, what, six weeks ago I met him? I get up now every day choosing to not be angry, but choosing to let things go. And it's an effort, but I do oh. it, and it's worked. Wow. Yeah, it, it was cute. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. deep. That's a big yeah. leap. Yeah. Well. Well, were you were you a sensitive child? A sensitive oh my god! Because oh, okay. I was. Oh I yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. I got beat up a lot because I was super sensitive, and my father never taught me how to fight. Um, and and I, I would cry at the drop of a hat. And my father worked very hard at toughening me, toughening me up. And I got to tell you, I I felt exactly the same way you felt. You know, why don't people get it? Why are they being so mean? You know, I have gone into situations where I'm just a servant to them and they've mm -hmm. gotten jealous and angry and backstabbing and and this is a this is a, a world where that's normal so to take this leap that you just took this is this is powerful it's just the fact that i'm willing to be vulnerable to them and that i want the education and I, i'm not just doing a show for a show's sake yeah i'm i'm living it i think you have a mission yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I do. And I want through my experiences and who I meet, I, I really want other people to have better lives. And I, there are certain things I'm not willing, I'm not going to beg people to listen. I'm not going to beg them to give me endorsements. I'm not going to beg them to rate my podcast. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. If the work doesn't speak for itself, if my sincerity if the lessons, if the advice, if the humor, if the laughter, if that's not enough, then that's just not enough. And, and I can't change the world. And now, uh, don't get me, I'm lucky, obviously, you know, I've got, I've, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely, I have listeners, I have passionate listeners, I have Siri as my announcer. I mean, I've got blessings as a podcaster that most people could only dream of oh, with yeah. that guest list. But, you know, I do wake up every now and then and go, you know, Oprah, I'm here. You know, Oprah noticed me, you know. It, it <laughs> wow. Why don't yeah. I have tens of thousands? But I tell you the other thing, I think, I believe that people want to be told what to do. Many people, they want an answer. And with my experience through Panache, I believe I'm giving people an answer. I'm giving them one route to take as far as dealing with anger and frustration but they want an answer. They want to be told what to do. They want a solution. I don't think, Brad, my show's ever going to be about that. I think my show's going to be about discovery and my show is going to be about trying to get people to think. So I'm not just offering the solution. I'm trying to get people to think for themselves. And yeah, there are people who just don't want to do that. Well, we're, we're in America and we, we're not like Eastern culture where you're supposed to meditate. It's just part of the culture. You're supposed to figure it out. Here, mm -hmm. we, we we like Pop-Tarts. You know, you can't sell Pop-Tarts in other countries because they're like, you sit down, you eat a breakfast. You don't, <laughs> you don't put that thing in your mouth. You know, so we're, we're about instant gratification. And there's a very small percentage that 
they, they sit there and they say, you know, I have a lot of work to do. I'm bitchy and I'm nasty to other people. And that comes from a space of fear. And maybe I should sit and deal with it. Or I'm, get, I'm turning out just like my father. You know, I'm, just, I'm turning out like my mother. So how about doing the work? And yeah. I think your show has actually taken a, a conscious shift or a shift in consciousness over the last two seasons. And that is, um, it was about, you know, having great celebrities on. And now you're getting into this deep dive uh, and, and I don't know about you. Tell me if you do this while I'm interviewing, I'm thinking like the audience, like what, what would they oh, want to hear? Okay. What, are they on the, yeah. Let's tell, tell them the truth. Let, let, this whole interviewing thing is really hard people. Okay. So, cause you really aren't totally engaged in what you're hearing. You can't be, you're thinking ahead right now. Brad's thinking ahead. He's, he's listening so intently. What is Randy going to say that I can make a contribution that I can add to, or that I can pick up on and move this conversation along? He has a responsibility to you as a listener. So it is a very different situation. It's very hard to be that person because you don't actually experience all of the education. I just listened to a show yesterday for the first time since it came out. I went, oh, we did talk about that. I actually go back to my own shows once they're published, once they're out, a week or two later and listen and I experience them as an audience member experiences them. Wow. Because right now, as you know, you and I are both, we're having a normal conversation because we know each other really well. Yeah. But at the same time, we both have a, an incredible sense of responsibility. You want to ask the right questions and I want to give the right answers. Yeah. I, I want my listeners to kind of go, oh, wow, this sounds interesting. And then we're going to go deeper. Uh, I had Damian Ross on my show and uh, he took a deep dive into depression. And uh, right at near the end, I said, okay, a lot of therapists are going to sit here and they're going to tell you how to survive when you have depression. I'm not talking about, yo, $5,000 somewhere. I'm talking about debilitating depression. And he opened up and gave like five real balls to the wall. I've been on the couch and couldn't get up for days kind of strategies. And that was one of my, my better shows. So I want to I ask you, what were some of your guests that blew your mind and took you into that deep realm? Could you share that? Oh, there's that? so many. And, and, but like I said, so much of it's happened recently. Um, okay, Dr. Judy Ho from the right. TV show The Doctors. She has a book out called, and I Stop Self-Sabotage, Six Steps to Unlock Your True Motivation, Harness Your Willpower, and Get Out of Your Own Way. And I'm like, I defy anyone to not find themselves in this book. It was scary to me to open this book because I knew I was going to find myself in this book. But I'm not afraid to face that fear. You're not either. You know, I I find discovering more about me, why I do what I do, I find that fascinating. Uh, In general, I find I'm all about the why. I, I I I mean, I do want to know what people do because that's, a, that's part of the definition, but I want to know why they do it. Right. And, and, and once we discover the why, as I've often said, why is where you find peace. You understand motivations, belief systems, actions, reactions. When you find out the why, why they are who they are, then you understand them. better. that's what I'm looking for with all this stuff. So not only did I discover all these ways that I sabotage myself through this book, one of the things I saw on her social media and Dr. Judy Ho's social media, she's done my show twice. I will have her back again. She's so special. She had made a point of saying, 
let's say, Brad, you get up tomorrow and you say, I'm having a bad day. You know, yeah. I'm really having a bad day. She wants you to change that thought to, I'm having a thought that I'm having a bad day. Ah. And when all of a sudden you change it from, oh, God, it's going to be a bad day. This is an awful day. I'm having a bad day. To, I'm having a thought that it's, this is not a good day. That completely shifts it to what it really is. It's just a thought. It's just an idea. It's not necessarily real. You've mentally decided it's a bad day. Well, as soon as you realize it's just a thought and not necessarily reality, you can let it go. And let me tell you, I use it not every day, but almost every single day. Life-changing. Yeah. It's one little tool that I learned from talking to somebody. And here's the other thing, Brad, that you and I know. I talk to celebrities and they're not all famous. I, I, that right. is not, they're not required to be famous. I want to learn from them. I, th I want them to have a story. I, I, right. I don't want to ever be that guy. We can all do it with the people we know if we will engage in more meaningful, active conversations, listen, ask, learn, uh, you and I aren't doing anything everybody can't do on a daily basis. I think you have to like people, Randy. Well, okay. Yeah. I think you have to like people. And I, I'm being honest because there was a trait my mother had, and I used to hate it when I was a teenager. Uh, we'd go to a restaurant, and there'd be somebody sitting alone, and she would invite them over. And she would make a big deal out of it. Like, oh, you're alone. Why don't you join us? And I was so embarrassed. You know how teens are. And I've inherited that trait of actually liking people. And I've met I've met keynote speakers who we go to get our photograph together and they just make this snotty comment. It's like, all right, let's pretend we like each other. And I'm shocked because I like everybody until you prove that you're a jerk. I've said that many times. I, give, I, I go into it liking everybody until you give me a reason to think otherwise. And sadly, many do. And that's mm -hmm. okay. That's okay. <clears throat> but I'd rather go into it with, with the positive. Yeah, and I, th and I think you're one of those rare individuals. And maybe it's not so rare. Maybe I just think it's rare, but I think you are genuine. You like people. And when you ask a question, you really want to hear the answer. I do. Uh, and, and you're right. You know, when we're, when we're in production, like right now, I'm watching the buttons. I'm making sure we're getting recorded. I'm listening to the levels. I'm watching it. There's a lot going on here. So I go back and I listen to this stuff. Maybe, you know, uh, two months later and I went, wait, whoa, wait, you know. Can you, oh, by the way, this is something that was really great. And I know uh, our listeners are going to enjoy this. You threw up a lot of photos of you with some pretty famous people who come to your studio or you go to their house and yeah. you record. And I was just, the, the way the, the stars warm up to you is just incredible. Uh, Pat Benatar, I think, was one. and She's Barbara my Cor baby. Yeah, yeah, Barbara Corcoran loved you. She was she a picture. <laughs> I loved on Barbara Corcoran too. So oh, <laughs> she is a she is something else. I love She's her hysterical. Yeah, I've heard absolutely hysterical and absolutely no real edit button and lets it all hang out and and goes for it and lives life and and Shark Tank can't even begin to show showcase all that she is. So so profoundly special and fun and and open and inviting. And watch, she's a party girl. Yeah, she's a party girl. Her. Yeah, 
I watched her on some show where there's an NBA stars there and she was hitting on these guys. You know, oh, was she funny. was out of control on Dancing with the Stars. And unfortunately, she went home the first week, which was a shame because I was like, finally, people are meeting my Barbara. The woman is absolutely hysterical. Absolutely yeah. hysterical. And just really lives life with a wonderful sense of, I don't care. I'm well, here to have a good time. I lived in New York City for 35 years, and um, she dominates that city. I got to tell you, she, her, the Corcoran group is everywhere. You know, it's yeah. just, and everybody trusts the, uh, her, you know, her business sense. She's incredible. Um, tell me which uh, celebrity you were the most surprised uh, at some of their answers. And take your time. Oh, you know. That goes way back, and I'm actually trying to have Daryl Hammond. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, this goes back to 2012, and he and I have stayed in touch via Twitter, and I've tweeted him recently because he has a new film out, and I'm hoping I'm getting this correct, based on his life. He had a very challenging life. Yeah. Um, but his goal setting, and, and, and you're, ask, you're asking me to go back, and it's in the book, uh, like nine years to remember it, but his goal setting process to become a comedian that's going to be on Saturday Night Live yeah. was so incredibly specific oh, and wow. so thoughtful. I was shocked at what I was thought. I was shocked at his mental process of what he wanted. He what he went through and planned to go through, and the steps he planned to take to achieve what he wanted to achieve. And he got there. He got to Saturday Night Live. What always impressed me was his power of impersonation. And I think I shared this with you. I, I was a stand-up comedian for eight years in New York City, and uh, I got to meet him just briefly and Chris Rock. and so. Well, then you know people. what I mean. He's actually pretty serious. He's a he real is, Oh, when he would come into the clubs or we'd see him at the Olive Tree, which is right above um, uh, one of the comedy clubs down on Sullivan Street, uh, he was serious. He was taking yeah. notes. He was going over his set. He, he studies. To, he rehearses. Oh, yeah. He he evaluates. He unbelievable the the intensity yeah. in his process and, and and unbelievable in such an incredibly positive way. Yeah, but he does one of the best Bill Clintons I've ever heard. He does. <laughs> I love I love Daryl Hammond's Bill. He's good. Yeah. Uh, and he does, uh, you know, a great imperson uh, impersonator is, oh, it's just incredible to watch. He was the one who was like, ah, Trebek. You know, he would do the whole. Oh, his, uh, his yeah. Sean Connery, his, his yeah. Alex Trebek hating Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was incredibly funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, Daryl Hammond, uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, um, just Google his name. You'll remember. Well, he's who also he is. the announcer on SNL now. Oh, yeah. And so he is actually the announcer at Top. Don Pardo. Uh, he, when Don Pardo passed yeah. away, when he uh, passed away, Daryl came in and took over. The, and I think I'm saying this correctly, but I believe Don Pardo passed away and Daryl came in and, and he was the longest running cast member, I believe, for 14 seasons at SNL. Uh, and then yeah. Keenan Thompson's now passed that. Uh, I oh, really? Keenan Thompson has passed that. I think he's at 15 or 16. But then when Don Pardo passed away, he went back in as the announcer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and since this film is out, I desperately want to see that film. I want to do a follow-up because I found 
his intellect fascinating and his process oh, fascinating. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Really yeah, yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love listening to him. But, you know, I look uh, at another thing I wanted to mention that happened. Again, for something's going on, because lately I'm getting lots of lessons, and I, I don't know what Donna Lynn Champlin played Paula Proctor on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is hysterical. It's on Netflix, and if you've not seen it, yeah, it's completely it great. But she, and I loved her, and she comes on, and I knew that she had played Carol Burnett when she, in, in a play. She had played the role of Carol Burnett in a play that Carol Burnett and her daughter, uh, Carrie Hamilton, wrote. And so she played her in her 20s, which has got to be incredible pressure. So we've got this 20-minute yeah. section on loving Carol Burnett, which so it's not necessarily always, I'm not even getting the lessons always directly from the person. I'm getting you know, secondhand Carol Burnett stuff. And I'll take that all day long. Yeah. I mean, let's bow to the altar, Carol. We love you. But she tells a story about when she didn't get something. And yeah, I am that guy who's like, you know, I should have gotten that. I should, I should have booked that. They should have asked me to do this, you know. And the angry part of me that I'm trying to fight. And she's telling me how Carol's saying, you know, when she didn't get something, she was like, oh, it's just not my turn. Wow. And, and I'm hearing that. And I and, and, and Donna Lynn saying, it really is that easy. So now the latest epiphany I got was another way to just, it just makes it easier to live. It makes it easier to process right and wrong and, and, and what I'm supposed to get and what I'm not supposed to get and when it's supposed to happen. It just makes it easier. Wow. Well, it's words of wisdom, ladies and gentlemen with Randall Kenneth Jones of the Jones Dot Show. Dude, you, you, said, you said a mouthful. I gotta, you know, these little things, there's no need to get upset. There's no need to get jealous. There's no need to be angry. Do what you do best and do it to the fullest. Um, I love your show, man. I, I, just, I think you're, you're providing a, an elevated service at this point, you know, what started out as dishing and having fun has turned into something that I would have to say is, is part spirituality, part deep dive, part self-help, part Oprah uh, on a podcast. I think you are doing something incredibly powerful. And I hope our listeners just go over there and listen like crazy. You've got some great interviews. Well, part spontaneity, uh, you know, you know, the lessons, a whole lot of laughter. We do have a good time. I have to say, I mean, I've, I've covered some really, I, I, some really difficult topics, yeah. but I, you know, I had said to you before lately, my, my big thing is power. <clears throat> and I think Panache has got me, he's not, didn't use that word, but I, I mean, he's had me thinking nonstop about who I am how I fit into the world since I met him. And I realize I really do have all of the power. No one can make me feel bad about myself. I'm the only one who can really do that. I can choose to feel good or bad or indifferent. I have it all. If someone doesn't like me and those, there are people who don't. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. There are people who don't. That's fine. I would love if I have uh, if I have the power to change that I will but there's been this thing happening with me lately uh, that I'm letting a lot of stuff go and I'm realizing I have the power to be who I want to be and 
if, if I misstep and people don't like me or they don't like what I have to say, as I'm coming at this as honestly and sincerely and from the best possible place I know where to come from, and I have the power to do what I want to do. And, you know, we've heard this before. I'm not inventing this. And I think I'm sharing it because I'm in the midst of it. There are all these wonderful little pieces of advice that we hear little snippets and we hear variations of it. And then there's the day that somebody presents it to you in the right way and it truly changes you. Right. And that's, I'm truly changing. I'm truly a student of my own work and I'm truly a student of all of these gracious, incredible, funny, wonderful, smart, witty people who come and talk to me. And to be able to share that and let other people be part of that and learn from that and laugh with that and experience that, that's, that's a gift beyond anything I ever expected to have happen. Careful, buddy. You're going to start aging backwards when you, <laughs> when you don't get angry gonna, every day. I did a little <laughs> Benjamin Button thing. So, yeah, there you, I, go. you know, to finally realize I actually do have the power was pretty amazing. I'm going to ask you a question, and it just popped up into my consciousness. Um, are you a stubborn person? Okay. Um, oh, wow. No one's ever asked me that. And I think there's people that would laugh hysterically and say I'm the most stubborn human being on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I get that sometimes too. Okay. Yeah. So, but then again, I think I'm really open. I'm very open to change. So this whole, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, bullshit. Sorry. Don't buy it. And if you're, you're just a lazy old dog, if you don't want to learn new tricks, learning new tricks you. at any age is the, is the way to go. And it's fun and it's interesting and it's invigorating and it's everything. So yeah, I true. don't buy into that at all. I think I have become increasingly less stubborn. Nice. But when I believe, when it comes to right and wrong, though I will always, always, always try to understand the other viewpoint. I really do. Uh, I really do. I, I will always try, but when it's just a, a, a question of right and wrong and I know right and I know wrong, I'm going to dig my heels in. Yeah. I'm going to dig them in and fight for. It's usually not anything that happens to me, but you do something to somebody I care about. Yeah, that's the, yeah. I'm not somebody to piss off. <laughs> yeah. You and I are the same way, brother. Yeah. Somebody yeah. crossed my business partner, Elizabeth. I laid into her. I was, Ugh, you don't mess with my friends. Me, you can walk all over me. Uh, and I've been oh, accused absolutely. of being stubborn and I too. Get, but. I get walked all over all the time. I had that many years ago. Somebody tried to blame an employee of mine for their mistake. And they were in my office trying to do it. And I practically am crawling over the desk, turning red, fuming, and ordered them out of the building. I mean, how dare you try to blame her? Yeah. Do you think, how stupid do you think I am? You know what the other thing, too, is that's kind of great about getting older, and I'm 57, is that it's harder to play games with us now. I yes. don't know whether anybody can invent a new game. I mean, I, I don't think a, a psychological game, I'm not sure there's any new games to invent I, I, I didn't realize I was such a great judge of human nature until I started doing this. I really didn't. I didn't know. I thought everybody was intuitive about people and their motivations and what they did. And then all of a sudden I started doing this and I wrote a book about a hundred people and not one person told me I got them wrong. 
Not one wow. person told me I got them wrong because these were my assessments. When I said Barbara Corcoran doesn't like to be bored, she didn't say, Randy, I don't like to be bored. That was my assessment and she agreed with it. Wow. So, yeah, I think that that's another thought that's really been you know, resonating you, with me lately. Yeah, you just nailed it. You just nailed it on the head there uh, because I've, I've asked myself, what is the magic formula for podcasting and interviewing and everything? Because if you're like me, you like to up your game. You like to get better. So I had Jordan Harbinger on the other day. I've had Justin Shank. These are top podcasters, you know, the million downloads here and there. Um, and I realized they have a genuine love for people. They have a genuine like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love, want to mm -hmm. know. And it isn't just about celebrities. They have all kinds of people on their show. And they're like you. I mean, we're cut from the same cloth, I think. They will call me up and they say, I, you, you can't believe who just called me and wants to be on the show. You know, they're like pinching themselves. Um, and, I, and I think that childlike exuberance is what I love about you. You did this on stage with Dr. Suki Stone. <laughs> I want to talk about this because this was the most fun I've ever seen her have. She was in a state of joy. That was brilliant. Well, we did have a little little kissy face session on stage. <laughs> and, and it was not, it was, it was, I didn't, I was not the catalyst for that. I was not the, the catalyst for that. I do use, as you know, a lot of improv. Yes. Uh, to well, try to to well, I'll paint, get people I'll, interact and stuff. Yeah, I'll paint the picture a little bit. Uh, Randy was running an improv workshop basically for the group because this was an audience of about 100 uh, authors and people want to be speakers and things like that. So he was showing you how to not say no to basic, right. you know. Improv is yes and. You know yes what and. I got to say, Colin Mockery from Whose Line is in my book, Whose Line is in Anyway, and he, he, he lives at yes and. You know, you yeah. can actually, the whole idea is when you're asked a question, you don't ever say no in improv. You say yes and you add to it. You can live yes and. You can live in a yes and world where you don't say no, but you say yes and. To then. everything. Yeah. Yes. It's a and very, I, very interesting way to live. Well, I did improv. And as a stand-up comedian, if you go for the joke in improv, you will bomb. And, you know, comedians have to change their... Uh, their me, 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 you know, dialogue and improv is about the situation, finding the humor in the situation, doing it. And then the audience laughs and you're like, oh, I know why they're laughing. And if you can approach that with life, I think you just said something incredibly profound. Say yes, not no to every opportunity in life. If something comes your way, say yes. If something happens, if someone walk, if your kid walks up to you and says, hey, you want to take jujitsu with me? Say yes. If your, your uh, mother-in-law comes over and, and says, hey, I want to take you out to lunch, no matter how much you can't stand, you say yes. You say yes to everything in life without the fear. Let go of the fear and embrace that I'm going to do something profound. And I, I see that in you, man. I really do. I see that yes well, and in you. But there's the other thing, you know, everything is actually kind of a gift. Um, you know, I, I won't tell the whole story, but... My husband, Derek, mm -hmm. fell on his butt <laughs> on live television. Yes, on I Kathy remember that. Lee and Hoda. I remember you ran that tape. Uh, that was, oh my. Fell on his butt on live TV as I was in the back of the set because I destroyed the set basically and laughing hysterically because what do you do? 
And I go out afterwards. He had just fallen. I had run in because Hodick brought us on, and I ran in, and I hit the bench, and it, had, it was on wheels. It's on and wheels, as I, right. As I'm careening to the back wall as they're counting down out of the commercial, he doesn't know that the set piece has moved, and boom, and we're live. He's yes. on the floor, and we're live. And, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> at the moment, I'm going, this is, this is a gift. This is a gift. I'm going to work this. I'm going to work this. And, and I'm, I mean, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Because we go outside, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, Derek, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. And I'm like, is he in denial? Does he not understand that he just fell on his butt on live television on the Today Show? Right. He looked at me so seriously and said, it's not like I'm Steve Harvey, and I just announced the wrong winner of Miss Universe. <laughs> that was the best answer ever. I, it was the last thing that went into the book uh when i went back to do when the book came out and hoda had me on a radio show we were talking hashtag Derek go boom um we went into the studio and the joke that hoda's assistant kathy and i had everybody had a seat kathy had a seat hoda had a seat i had a seat the producers had a seat Derek had to stand because they didn't give him a chair because we thought he was going to fall i was hysterical this i mean my <laughs> my own husband who I've been with for over 20 years, yeah, says just these, ask. Yeah, yeah. the most profound thing in the world. It's not like I'm Steve Harvey and I just announced the wrong winner of Miss Universe. Talk about keeping things in perspective. <laughs> uh, he literally, well, you heard it. He gets applause. He's never in the room when I tell the story and I tell the story and he's decided to be okay with it. And he gets applause every single time I tell the story. Well, you guys have been together for 20 some odd years. God bless. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and he gets, he gets the laugh line. You're the he does. That moment. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's all about him. No, he's the whole story's about him. And he That's was the fantastic. very last thing we, we quite literally stopped the presses and I called the publisher and I said, I've got another chapter to add. Trust me. I have to add this. And we added that story it was the last yeah. thing we added into the book. I had to be there. I love that. When, you know, when you're about to go to press and you call up your publisher and they're like, uh, yeah, they get mad, but usually that's what makes the book richer. You know, yeah, it really yeah, does. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah. You have an impressive resume uh, of media. You've been on Today, The Hoda Show, Marketplace, and on public radio and uh, CNBC.com. Uh, so um, I love that you're getting out there and you're building your portfolio, building up this show. Uh, but you had a buddy of mine on your show, uh, Dave Sanderson, man. Oh my God. Isn't he amazing? Oh, wow. Okay, so let's talk about Dave. Um, the last passenger yeah. to get off of the Miracle on the Hudson plane in the yep. Hudson River in 2009. You can't talk to him. It's just so profound because he'll, he answered stuff even for me. I don't know if you listened. He even said he answered stuff for me. He doesn't usually go into, I'm said, you know, yeah. you're, the plane's going down. What are you thinking? I had to ask it. Yeah. For the man to have an epiphany that I want basically to help make people be, live better lives and be better. He had an epiphany. This is what I want to do with my life. Not knowing if he would live to do it. Yeah. That's crazy. And yeah. that's, that's his reason for being now as a speaker going around and motivating people to seize that little, what little moments matter. Every yeah. little moment matters. And I, 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 I think everyone can, depending on how much they will allow themselves, imagine what it would feel like to be in a plane going down. I, yeah. I think that's about as terrifying as a thought as we can have. Yeah. He, he was a wow. I mean, he, he was, is. I even had, I had a couple different people trying to get him 
and me together. And then one of them just took the blue mother horns and just did the email and said, hi, meet, boom, bye. You know, I mean, he just did it. So we would meet and Dave and I have supported each other and stayed in touch since then. I met him in 2000, I think 15 or 16. And uh, it was right after the book came out and uh, he wanted to do a TED talk. And uh, I was at a Tony Rubaleski event, uh, a boot camp, a mind capture boot camp in uh, Grand Rapids. And I didn't know this, but Dave Sanderson, this is, this is incredibly humbling. People don't realize when you're a keynote speaker or you do what we do, when, when you run into your heroes, um, you're kind of like, oh my, oh my goodness, I can't believe I have Bob Berg on speed dial. You know, you're, you're like pinching yourself almost. Dave Sanderson, I found this out from Tony. He came in a day early to see me speak. Talk mm. about... I mean, I almost cried. I told my wife uh, at the time, I told Norma, I said, this, this, this guy came in to see me. He's, he's a celebrity. I mean, he really is doing this, living this. And he comes in and the next day he spoke and I was so blown away by his speech because his survival and his wits and he was talking about his mom uh, was going through his head mm -hmm. you know? and do the and, right thing and God yeah. will take care of you. Do the right thing and God will take care of you. And that yeah. is what caused him to be the last person off the plane because yeah. he was wandering around the plane in the water making sure everybody was okay oh and and if you've ever met him in person he's like a linebacker he's like six two six four yep. uh he looks like he could beat the tar out of anybody and and, and like ceo level thinking and i don't know if you know this he used to work uh with tony robbins doing oh i did know that security yeah so that's a good role model <laughs> yeah absolutely so um here's a here's a dude who like towers over people and he's one of the gentlest souls and he almost died that day because he dove into the water and all he did was swim a few you know maybe 70 feet which if you're a swimmer you know that's not a big deal um and he just lost like the ability to lift his arms he almost couldn't right. get there the firefighters just reached down and picked him up and he's a big dude threw him in and they had no blankets they had nothing and you just, you can almost imagine, because I was in New York. I lived in New York at that Only time. Only two that people water, were hospitalized. Only yeah. two people, he and one other person were hospitalized. That's it. Everybody yeah. else was, and, went to home or went to a hotel or whatever. Yeah. And he they was, were all fine. They, they were cold on the floor. They, they stripped them yep. down to their skivvies. Yep. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I was blown away by that. But here's what was uh, incredible. Uh, the press decided to focus on him. And the Red Cross mm -hmm. came out. And he, because of that, he works with the Red Cross all the time. That's like his sponsor. He'll go wherever they ask. He's right there because they were there to help. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I love his message as well. His book is great. His book is, is, is I'm, I'm going to say it, uplifting considering the topic. I don't mean to be ironic, but well, the book is, is uplifting. If you survive something like that, I mean, uh, you have nothing to do but to talk about it. I mean, it was through the grace of God that they, they survived that day. Uh, you know, and Captain Sully, Sullenberg, um, being an experienced pilot, I mean, you watch the movie and you, you realize they were, they were playing by the, the, um, the, the rules uh, and uh, they were really trying to burn them as a pilot. And then they realized, oh, the sensor wasn't working that day. And, and it truly was a miracle. A, literally uh, yeah. a miracle Truly. experience everything all at once and it's so rare that birds um destroy an airplane uh, over in newark in the winter because you don't get many birds but i guess the geese were flying 
Oh, I know. The Canadian The wrong beast. direction. Can I, can I tell you one other story? Because it would happen oh, recently. Absolutely. It was so special. I had made arrangements to, I'd booked an interview with a gentleman named Mark Potter, who was with NBC News as a correspondent right. for years. He was actually at CNN and then ABC and NBC, I think for like 15 years. I thought we were going to talk about all his work in Miami uh, following, you know, the, the drug cartel, the different things that he'd covered right. because he'd covered, I, I had worked, I'd done a show with Bob Orr from CBS News and you, you get a, a retired journalist and you've got stories that go on and they're brilliant people and I love dealing with journalists. So we're doing this and he on his Facebook page had been, we'd been Facebook friends for a couple of years because we met all these stunning pictures of sunrises in Miami. And I thought, and he told me, said, oh, well, there's really a story, but I didn't know what the story was about. We booked the time three or four days before we did it. He, he says, it's been six months. These are for Judith. And I'm like, what, what's the story? So I call him up and I, and I get more of a story and I say, are you willing to talk about this? And he said, yes, we never know the full story. I went into it thinking I'm going to interview a journalist who covered extraordinary stories in the 70s, 80s, 90s, based in Miami, which was really a hot town. Uh, well, it, not even beyond the 90s because he just retired recently. And then the real story at the end of the podcast is his wife, Judith, passed away six months ago. And he, the, the part of his personal, I'm going to use the word therapy, was taking, he had retired, was taking up photography again and these re, re, gorgeous photos. I mean, I live in Florida, so I know about, all about gorgeous. Right. So I'm on the sunset side. He's on the sunrise side. Gorgeous photos. And, and, and it just hits me and I'm asking him, I said, you know, the sunrises remind me and remind him about her. They represent Judith, his love for his wife. But a sunrise means it's another day. It's not the end, it's the beginning. And, you know, you may think you know someone's story and you and I may go in and we may think we know what these people are about, but when, when you're lucky yeah. and they will disclose Judith and sunrises and pain to you for the purpose of helping you understand and maybe reaching somebody in a similar situation, when the story's not what you think it is, it, it's unbelievable. And we're all living lives with people and we think we know their story and we don't. And a lot of times they want to tell it, but they don't know if you want to hear it. So ask and, and, and be prepared to listen to the story of that person because they might blow you away. I hope you got some of this wisdom, my friends. Ask and listen. Uh, yeah, I love the way you just said, because we, we don't know. We don't know what's we going on. So, yeah. Well, look at um, social media. Social media is snapshots. We show exactly what we want people to see. Angry Randy is never on social media. Happy Randy's on social media. I would never put angry Randy up there. Yeah. So you got <laughs> yeah, to do the, the, what's that smirk? You got to do the, the duck lips and the, <laughs> take your Donald photo. Duck is, oh, hey, Donald Duck has done my show as well. So No kidding. Yeah, That's Donald awesome. Duck, yeah, Donald Duck did my show. So, and it's pretty like, great to have Donald Duck saying, I like your podcast. So, yeah, that was nice. pretty awesome. It's a yeah, one yep. impersonation I can't do. I've tried. It's a rough one. <laughs> so, I, 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 I want to thank you for being on the show. We're about to do a lightning round. 
Uh, how, do you, how does everybody get a hold of you? I know I read you know, some of your websites, but how do people get a hold of you? Well, I, I tricked people because if you literally put in jones.show, that's a URL. <laughs> nice. So you can't really Google me through that. You put in jones.show and boom, you're on that website. Uh, nice. That's also part of it. And it's a subset of my main website is randallkennethjones.com. And yes, I, I am a, concrete, uh, a content creator. Yes, I am all about communication, creativity, and working with people to help organizations tell their story. Um, usually, and, and, and I'm a writer, but at the same time, I'm also an art director and I've worked on film stuff for them and helping them create a story that's going, because ultimately humans are going to read the story. Absolutely. And, you know, so randallkennethjones.com is another way to really find out and get the full picture with the book and the podcast and, and my work as a creative. So awesome. That's fantastic. So I'm going to go into the lightning round. This is where I get to ask you some questions so our listeners and viewers uh, can do a little bit more of a deep dive on Mr. Jones. Uh-oh. You ready, my friend? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, what is your favorite memory? Oh, okay. I have to go with what popped in my head. Me and my dog, Snoopy, and my chicken, Henny Penny, my grandma named the chicken, <laughs> wandering around her little 10-acre farm in outside north of Columbia, Missouri. I had a pet dog and I had a pet chicken. We had raised the chickens in first grade. They'd hatched. My grandma had the farm, so she got to take them home. And one of them decided I was its parent. So little fat boy, little fat dog, little fat chicken wandering around the, 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 the woods around Grandma Jones's house north of. There, there's, it's, there, there's a sad part to the story, but that's, that's in the book. <laughs> The positive memory, though, is that's actually my favorite memory, and I, no one's ever asked me that. That's, I, that's I, hope, I hope it's not, hey, enjoying that chicken stew. <laughs> it's pretty close to that. You, I grew up in a farm community. I know what happens. Yeah, it was, it was Grandma Jones and I at some point in time need to have a little chat. She's been yeah. gone for a while, but one day, if we ever get a sit down, we're going to have to have a little discussion about Henny Penny. So it's like my dad would be like, Hey, don't get too attached to that pig. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep, yep, so, yep. Second question. What would people be surprised to know about you that we may not know? Oh my God. I think I'm an open book. Um, Ah, uh, okay. I'm going to answer the other goofy thing. I twirl a baton. Is anybody that surprised to know that I would twirl? Why? See, I don't, I'm not why, really why am good. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised by that. You no, know? My, because my sister did. So I did. Oh, well, I tell you, a lot of people know this, but here's another one that I'm deathly afraid of bunnies. Now, a lot of people already know that, but I'm terrified of bunny rabbits. So a, a lot of my friends know that and it's part of my brand, but there's bunnies on my book because of that. So, so you avoid Monty Python's Holy Grail at all. I costs. do. I, I do. Uh, because, and, and the story, and it's once again, I describe it in the book, but at, at some point in my life, I was at work, I was naked and I was attacked by a bunny and, and the rest is history. So yeah. Terrified of bunny rabbits. Wow. That's funny. And I twirl a baton. So I guess I gave you two. Thank you, Paula Jones, for teaching me how to twirl a baton. Well, so. since you're bearing your soul, I'll share one of mine. I may be the only straight guy who knows show tunes. <laughs> oh, I know mom, me my show tunes, yeah. yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my mom loved Judy Garland, and I played drums in a lot of you know musicals. So I know the yep. words to the music man, Mame, Hello, Dolly. Um, 
don't let anybody know that. But uh, yeah, I, I can sing them. Um, I, I got one more question. Uh, and it's kind of in the, in the same genre as uh, what kind of music do you listen to, brother? Everything. I tell you, I love, it's interesting. I'm a huge, for example, I'm a huge Linda Ronstadt fan because in fact, in her life, she has sung everything. Yes. So yes. she did country rock. She did pop. She did uh, uh, more hardcore rock. She did operetta because she was on Broadway. She did country with Emmy Lou and Dolly. Uh, she did, uh, my favorite album of all time is Linda Ronstadt and the Nelson Riddle Orchestra. Right. And there's three, and I would say, what's new? The first one is my favorite of all time. Those three. So I really like a, a diverse mix of stuff. I really kind of like everything. But because I was always in music as a singer and, a, and I played sax and stuff, I, I, I've done a lot of the – I sang in a vocal jazz group in college with Sheryl Crow. So No. So I know all that kind of – I know a lot about music from the 30s, 40s, and, and, and 50s, and 60s as well. So I like a lot of different things. Yeah. My grandfather was a big band drummer back in the mm -hmm. 1940s. Mm -hmm. And his trombone player uh, dubbed the trombone parts for Jimmy Stewart in the Glenn Miller story. Wow. And so I, I grew up with that rich heritage of, you know, yeah. that's Gene Krupa or that's Tommy Dorsey or that's, you know, I, I can tell that. Um, and I, I have an eclectic background in music as well. Like I love Rush as a rock band and people are like, why do you like Rush so much? Well, because they, they have the jazz uh, structure the foundation you know they're always um they're using classical music and jazz if you read the the charts you know and so mm -hmm. I, I have an appreciation for that but i've been to see pat metheny in concert like two three times i, I appreciate that uh boston lincoln park you know i listen to a lot of different songs. suffice to say that pat benatar is responsible for the rise and, and fall of the sun so <laughs> let's be well, very clear the, that it's ultimately all about Pat Benatar. Where, well, let me ask you a question before we close. What's she really like? Because you guys are friends now. She's just the most decent human being on the planet. Uh, she's yeah. just a good, kind, generous. I mean, I'll, I'll tell a story so quickly. In 1982, I was doing singing telegrams in college, wanted to meet her, had this idea. I'll send her a singing telegram. It worked. I rewrote Hit Me With Your Best Shot with different <laughs> lyrics. I'm dressed as Prince Charming. I have six dozen <laughs> balloons. Bounced her around on my knee. She was so kind and gracious. She changed my life. She would not sign my copy of the telegram unless I signed hers. She literally made me believe. Now, this is in the 80s, 82, when, you, you know, we're not ever, I'm in mid-Missouri. I'm not going to meet a famous person. It's just never going to happen. <laughs> Forget the fact that I'm singing with Cheryl Crow at the time. But, you know, right. I, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. To meet your hero and have her be that gracious and kind, she made me believe I was capable of doing things that might actually take me out of my hometown, and they did. 33 years later, I sat across from her and thanked her for that. Wow. And she and, remembered me. She remembered Yeah, me. Uh, tell that real quick because I remember you told us on stage, she remembered that singing telegram. She said, I, did, I don't just remember the telegram, I remember you. And just so how she made me feel about myself in 82 and how she made me feel about myself 33 years later – and, you know, she'll come, we'll go backstage and we'll see her when she's in concert and uh, she's in the book. We, she is, I'm working right now, working with her to try to schedule her to get her on the podcast. 
what makes me feel good is when her, a Ginger Z, a Hoda Kotb, uh, an Aaron Brockovich, these people that when I can tell people what good human beings they are, decent, kind, respectful, helpful, generous, genuinely good people. And when I get to share that, that feels really good. And when I get to experience how good a person Pat Benatar is, that feels amazing. But to say thank you meant the most. I got to say thank you to her. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Randall Kenneth Jones, thank you so much for being on Awakened Nation. Don't forget to reach out to jones.show and also Google Randall Kenneth Jones. You get to see some of uh, his content and listen to it. Uh, you have it in video as well as uh, audio as well? No, I'm audio only. I'm the lazy guy. You're the video dude. You're I have the video do. stuff. Yeah. We're going to try and turn it into a TV show at some yeah. point. Yeah. Different segments. So, uh, But dude, I want everybody to reach out and listen to your show because it's, it's deep, it's fun, and it's nostalgic because there's a lot of yeah, yeah, things I like put that. on yeah. that really take you down memory lane. Um, before we close, who would be your dream guest? Oprah. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and please know I am one, one degree of separation from her all over the place, and I am climbing all those degrees. <laughs> I am doing you go, baby. You go. Oprah, come to me, Oprah, please. <laughs> awesome. And I got to give a big shout out to Leah Woodford for hooking us up, man, because she's the catalyst uh, yep. for a lot of these people we're talking about. Uh, her and uh, the group Smart Femme. Uh, of which I'm on the board of directors. So, Randy, thank you so much thank for you. being on the show today. Thank you, my friend. Take care, everybody. Uh, tune in next week. we got an, another amazing guest. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you and see you next week.